Let's get it! This is the end. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir. On the Antler Sports Network. This is the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. The Dallas Mavericks move one step closer to their first playoff series win in 11 years. And with that being said, welcome back to the Antler Report. Another Tuesday, another episode. Thank you all for listening wherever you may be. If you're listening on antlersn.com forward slash watch via the Antler Sports Network live feed or live on the Mixler app or after we go live or wherever you get your podcast and on all Alexa and Google control devices. As you heard in the open, the Dallas Mavericks taking home game five, giving themselves a picture perfect, in my opinion, opportunity to move on to their first second-round appearance in Lord knows how long. If you look at this Mavericks team, especially throughout the season, and look at the ups and downs, especially when it comes to the slumps that some of these guys have had, specifically guys like Maxi Kleba, who during the regular season was a big source of stress, I guess you could call it, for Mavericks fans and Mavericks fans alike during the regular season. But now in the playoffs, he's become one of our biggest offensive figureheads. Speaking of figureheads, we'll have Matthew later on via the ABS T-Shirt Graphics Hotline to talk a little bit of NBA basketball, a lot to talk about on the NBA side of things, and also to talk some NFL draft. The draft being this Thursday, the first round, we're getting into maybe the top 10 picks, what fits best for every team, even though this might be, in my opinion, could be considered one of the least loaded drafts that we've seen. We've seen drafts such as 2017, 2005, some drafts that will live on in infamy with tons of star power, not a lot of star power outside of maybe the five to ten biggest names that we already know. But Matthew and I will break down the first ten picks of the draft and maybe even try to see what his Cowboys might pick. But first, let's start in the association. Once again, we have an elephant in the room. Specifically, an elephant out in Brooklyn, New York. Last night, the Brooklyn Nets falling to the Boston Celtics, getting swept Kevin Durant hasn't won a playoff game since that 48-17-10 performance against the Milwaukee Bucks last year. If you look at not only the team that Durant is on, but the teams Durant has been on, you look at the odds, you look at the deck of cards that he was dealt. I know sometimes you have players like Damian Lillard and sometimes, historically speaking, such as Dirk, who haven't always been dealt the best hand roster-wise throughout their career. And sometimes that can hurt the legacy of a player. But Kevin Durant is the opposite. You look at the teams that he's been on and look at the accolades he's won throughout his career, it affects his legacy most definitely, but not in the way that you would think. Matthew, I want to go in and bring you on and kind of get your opinion with Durant getting swept in the first round with having probably the most dynamic dynamic offensive figure of this generation. What does this do? For Durant's legacy, um, I mean, it's it's just like last year's playoff series. I mean, for the most part, he kind of just carried his team. He was just going against a better Celtics team. Uh, with his team, they didn't really show much defense. I feel like there is situations where if Kevin Durant didn't show up, Kyrie would show up, and vice versa. But I think it, I I think it just impacts his legacy in the sense of. 
that we know what he's capable of, but we just don't know how far he's able to get in the playoffs without, uh, let's say, the Golden State Warriors whenever he was able to make that far. We know how good of a player he is. We just don't know why he's not able to achieve uh, getting to the NBA Finals again. And uh, I just think that the Celtics outplayed them. I think the Nets could have played way better defensively. They're more of an offensive-centered team. And Jason Tatum, you got to give credit to Jason Tatum. We we talk about Kevin Durant, but Jason Tatum played phenomenal as well. I feel like the answer is relatively clear as to why Durant hasn't worked out. He's not confrontational. You look at guys like a LeBron, they're, they're personality-centric. You know how they feel. You look at a Draymond Green, you know how he feels. Even Russell Westbrook, for better or worse, we know how he feels. If you go back to Durant mm-hmm. at Golden State, the only reason that entire situation blew up in the face of not only Durant, but that franchise, is because of the beef that he had with Draymond Green. Draymond Green's going to let you know mm-hmm. how he feels, as I just said. And Durant not being able to man up, grow a pair, and be like, hey, Draymond, we need, we disagree about this and this. We need to hash this out. We need to squash this or this and the third. You can't have that in your superstar. Now, does, do mm-hmm. I think that Durant is a number two? In some situations, Yes. You look at Golden State, I even saw him as a number two. Stephen Curry ran that offense, and he still does now. If you look at Kyrie Irving now in Brooklyn, you're going to know how he feels for better or worse. It feels like it's just the mm-hmm. same same crap, different toilets, same tune, different tone. Durant isn't going to be able to work out with superstars who are flamboyant, who are open. And that's not a knock on the fact that Kyrie and a Draymond are not very hesitant as to saying how they feel. More power to them. If they got something on your minds, then go ahead, say it. But if you're a Kevin Durant, you can't you you can't win with those guys. It's not that is it's not that his own ego is too much for him because I feel like Durant has kind of settled into his ego, especially with all the burner mess and his presence on social media. If you can mm-hmm. even call it a presence on social media, you have to get to a point where you think, hmm. You have these guys who are obviously drawing a lot more attention than they should especially when it's not resulting in the results on the floor. You have to look Can at yourself and say, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, I, I know we're just talking about Kevin Durant right here, but think about it earlier in the season. They needed defense, so they traded for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, who was rumored to come back game four, completely bailed on his team. I think the last game he wasn't even on the sideline. People were saying because it was due to his back injury – like, Ben Simmons was one of the main reasons why I see this Nets team, like, failing because they got him for a defense-centric type player, and he didn't even show up. Goran Dragic came out after uh, last game also and said that every single day there is something different going on there. So I think it's, it's, it's a whole team thing that's going on, and the fact that Ben Simmons didn't even want to show up for his team is embarrassing, and I think that not only hurts Kevin Durant, but that hurts the whole entire team. I thought that was – flat out just embarrassing what uh what he what he did uh on the Nets team uh, after the trade. Now, I'm glad you bring up Ben Simmons because that brings up a, a much deeper conversation that I want to go in and dabble into. There's the back injury. There's all the injuries mm-hmm. he had in Philadelphia. And now it's becoming mm-hmm. more and more apparent, even through his own agent, that now it's a mental health thing. Here mm-hmm. Here's my issue with that. And before any of this gets clipped or this, that, and the third, I want to get this out of the way now. 
mental health is an issue that deserves to be talked about and deserves looks within athletes. Kevin Love and DeMar DeMarozan were prime examples that, yeah, oh, they make 20 million, this much million dollars a year. What do they have to be anxious or upset about? Guess what, people? They're human beings just like you or I. Salary doesn't take away humanity. It doesn't add humanity either. These players are just as much as people as you or I or anyone else listening to the sound of my voice. The fact that Ben Simmons has used, or I guess you could say seems to have added mental health to the deck of cards of BS that has become the reason why he hasn't touched the floor since Jesus most likely walked on water. I don't I don't like it. Because not only does that continue to add to the stress and the doesn't on this organization doesn't really help the actual especially or the real athletes that are especially in a world where mental health still is the forefront. Not only were athletes as well, it needs to be that Ben Simmons should better for himself, for his team. Or even if you want to go as far as to other athletes, because now you have Ben Simmons who's adding all this crap. It's just adding more and more to the pile of crap that people can say, oh, Ben Simmons just didn't want to play. As Reggie Miller said, he just doesn't have mm-hmm. that fire. He doesn't have the drive. Now, part of that I can 100% agree with. But there has to be a point where you say, as an organization, I know we brought him in as a, as you said, Matthew, a defensive guy, but it's not working. He's got to go. The man literally couldn't sit on the bench to watch his team get taken and shot behind the woodshed because his back hurt. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me it got from in game three, oh, at the end of game three, you know, Ben Simmons, he's looking to make some improvements. He might play game four. Now we go to game four. Not only is this son of a gun not even in the Barclays Center, he's probably not even in New York knowing him. Who knows where he is? Who knows what he's doing? Since he can't even sit on the bench, what is he doing? Is he in the Nets locker room just laying on the floor, stomach down, like he's in, like he's trying to make a backward snow angel or something? What is he doing? What What is happening with Ben Simmons? I wish we had someone in that locker room that follows this team on a day-to-day basis so we can follow not only what this man does, but what he goes to on a day-to-day basis. I want to know, if his back is hurting so bad, how does he get into a vehicle? Does he just lay across the back seat and they just have to strap him down to the seat because he can't wear a seat belt? How does he travel? Does he have like a special accommodations on the bus? Does he have to like park in a handicapped spot when he puts him to the arena? What does he do? What's the process? Because if you can't sit on the bench and at least support the team that you bailed out on, that you pretty much held hostage and finesse for ungodly amounts of money, then mm-hmm. you can at least show up. At least you can show up. I see hot Ben Gay, Theragesic, those are pretty damn good products. Me, I know I can put a little bit on my knees and I'll be fine. You mean to tell me they don't have any type of compression or the biofreeze or a wrap or something to where you can sit down and support your team for a couple of hours? As If you watched the game, you knew it wasn't going to take long. The Nets were out of the game before the tip-off even started. So it couldn't have been that long of a sit-down to at least be there and support your team at their lowest point. Now, where do the Nets go with Ben Simmons? Heck, I got a better question. Where do you go with Kyrie and Durant? Because it ain't working. 
Like Harden isn't working. They were better off when they had Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and that original core before Durant came through and blew everything up. Matthew, what do they do? Maybe you have an answer because I, don't I surely don't. I got a better question. Who who's going to step up in that Nets organization? Clearly, no one has stepped up to be have that leadership role to be able to tell these guys that hey, you need to play basketball. You need to be there for this team. I think this has to do with maybe Steve Nash, anyone else in the front office. No one's stepping up in the Nets organization to get stuff done and get stuff right. And it's frustrating because you have some of the best players in the world on that team. Yet you got so many conflicts, controversies happening that it's, it's, it's straight up sad. It's, it's disheartening, honestly, that you have such a good team with so much talent that that can win the finals easily if they didn't have all this drama going on and all this, all this news coverage and everything like that. No one's stepping up that Nets organization and it's just, it's it's just saddening to see it sickening. The key to any successful athletic franchise is a front office. You can go from high school all the way to the pros. The best high school teams in the country, you like De La Salle, Duncanville, IMG Academy, they have front offices, executives, and directors who have a clear, successful mindset and only act upon those intentions. They don't just try to go for the big home run because guess what? They have a little something I like to call common sense. If you look at the Nets organization, common sense ain't looking so common. Your starting point guard just a year ago, which I think people don't talk about enough, literally questioned the the, the, the fallacy of having a head coach. He made having a head coach for that team pretty much sound like his version of the earth being round. To him, it doesn't make sense. Verbatim, I don't see us having a coach about a year or so ago. You mean to tell me you expect to take that point guard, a small forward who can't decide which is weaker, his mental health or his back, and a superstar that fizzles out, literally fizzles out, can't play defense, can barely hit the rim in some cases, and is getting mollywopped by a 25-year-old version of himself. And that's a discussion for another day. Like you said earlier, no disrespect to Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Played a fantastic game. Jalen Brown did what he was supposed to do. Shut down their offense, and that's exactly what they did. Jason Tatum, responsible to control the game. They did it. Daniel Tice, be a game manager down low to stop Durant and Kyrie from slashing to the hoop. Guess what? Don't forget the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, as well. And that's not even... that They literally have the defensive player of the year. And you really thought... You really, really thought that you were going to be able to just walk in and beat these guys just because they don't have the same star power. See, one thing about NBA teams now, even after the super team era, people have gotten so used to this 2K, my GM, my league-esque way of putting teams together. Turn salary cap all the way up or just turn it off entirely and turn trade over right off. Let's just sign, pick up whoever we want. Go on the floor, simulate some games, went up in the finals, and then in game seven, when the CPU puts us down, we can take control and we can play and win the championship every year. Guess what? It's not how that works. The Brooklyn Nets are a prime example. It didn't even work for Golden State. You look at that 2017 roster, that is hands down the greatest roster ever assembled in the history of basketball. Couldn't even three-peat. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do, couldn't reach the mark that represents a dynasty in the NBA. If you three-peat 
with the same team and the same core, the same front office, the same GM, the same executives, the same coaches, the same core guys. That means something. Finding that now has become harder than ever because of guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron who are so focused on the other extra extracurricular BS that they can't even go out there and play basketball. Now, LeBron, to his credit, his situation is a lot worse because it goes to the executives. Let's go back to my earlier point. You're not going to have anything without a front office. You can go football, basketball, baseball, hockey. You're not going to have a good team without a good front office. It's just simply not going to happen. The Lakers don't have a good front office. You saw what happened to them. The Nets doesn't have a good front office. You saw what happened to them. Look at the look at the Celtics. Solid front office. Danny Ainge, a guy who has slowly progressed more and more to the world of analytics. It's easy for older guys such as Danny Ainge to think, oh, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. It worked back in the day. It's going to work now. No. Guess what? People are evolving. Players have to evolve too. You have to get to a point where you say to yourself, I'm a superstar. I'm a number one guy. I'm the straw that serves the drink. I have to put my foot down and make sure this team is in line. Even up to the front office. Matthew, as you said earlier, made a fantastic point. There has to be someone out of the countless people on the Brooklyn Nets payroll. There has to be one guy that sits that team down and says, hey, we are too good to be getting swept in the first round mm-hmm. to the Boston Celtics. And once again, this is no respect to the Celtics. But if you look at those two teams on paper, it should, it should be a sweep. Yeah, what happened should have happened the mm-hmm. other way around. I I just I just don't understand. I don't get it. It can't it's not same thing with the Lakers situation. It's not all one person's fault. It's not all Russell Westbrook's fault. It's not all Ben Simmons' fault. But the fact that you have on just top ordeal, ordeal on top of headline, on top of headline, just constant flow of bad publicity and negative energy, you're not gonna be successful. It's that simple. You're not gonna be successful. I don't know where the Nets go from here, especially with an Easter conference that's only gotten better. But if you're Kevin Durant, what, what do you try to stay in Brooklyn, try to work things out, or do you run away like you always do? Jared, the, I know where they're going. They're going to Cancun right after the, uh, that loss last night. <laughs> I think I, I have no idea. In the mind of Kevin Durant, you have no idea what his next move is going to be. Uh, I. I, I really couldn't tell you with the way the Nets are working out. I know Kyrie came out and said he wanted to be with Katie and stick with Katie, so I could see them staying on the Nets. But at this point, you have no idea what Kevin Durant uh, will end up doing. Now, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like we've heard this from Kyrie before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be here. I want to stay here. I want to play. Hmm. It's almost like he said that with the exact same team that just sent them to the Caribbean for the offseason. I hear this from Kyrie, and I hear other things that he said in the past. I think he thinks that we're not going to at least try to go back and think as fans, huh? We've heard this before. I don't think they. I don't think Kyrie think. I don't know. Maybe he thinks we're dumb. Maybe he thinks he's above the media. Because believe me, there are some people in the sports media who were some absolute idiots, stupid, don't deserve a microphone or a pen or a pad or a newspaper or anything. But they're media for a reason. We know how to Google things. We can go back and hear what you said back in Boston. I'm going to be here forever. My jersey's going to be hanging up in the rafters. Only thing of the rafters is is going to be your division title and the fact that you got swept by the team that sent you out of town. 
Yeah, I agree. I'll say something. Um, Kyrie, I think he truly does believe what he says, but he is the type of guy to change his mind constantly. Like, the Kyrie Irving and his attitude today, like, we're just talking about personality today, is completely different than the Kyrie Irving's personality and attitude, let's say, five years ago. As a man, he's changed so much that I could seriously – I think he believes what he says, but he ends up changing his mind later on. I f- I hate that this is the thing that we have with Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that we can't talk about how great of a talent he is. Sweep or not, he's a damn good athlete. He's one of the best in the world right now. But it's the fact that we can't even talk about the man's game because he has he does a better job running his mouth than he does running the floor on offense. And that's sad. It's embarrassing. I don't like it. I hate that we have to have this conversation. But it has to get to a point where you see the position you are in as a player, everything you've done, all the drama you've caused. It has to get to a point where you hold yourself accountable. I feel like Durant has a better chance of doing that, although I think Durant has a lot of immature tendencies similar to Kyrie. Kyrie is, he's a lot more of an enigma. I don't even want to say he's charismatic because that's too positive of a term. The personality Kyrie bestows is not a positive one. I could look at like a Draymond Green and say he is charismatic, not only because he's going to speak what's on his mind, but at the same time, he's a proven winner and he knows what it takes. And you see the team, you see he stayed with that same core and is still finding success with it. Mm-hmm. He's not out here saying dumb stuff. He's always team oriented. Even when he speaks negatively, he finds a way to spin it. And I like that about Draymond Green. Do I like some of the things he does on the floor? No. But that's not that's that might be sour grapes. Sure, go ahead. But he's not breaking down the team with his words. He can be critical of himself. He can be critical of the guys on the bench, his teammates, hell, even his own coach. But he's positive about it. And he knows how to win. Kyrie is trying to be Draymond when it comes to what he says in this in this stigma that he tries to portray to the media, that he's this free thinker and he's this open-minded guy. You haven't proven yourself first. Durant, to me, is the same way. You haven't proven yourself first. Your championships were with some of the greatest shooters of all time. When you yourself are one of the greatest shooters of all time. I don't want to hear that from Kyrie or Durant. You haven't earned that yet. I barely want to hear from LeBron, and he's probably the, the second greatest, and in some spaces, the greatest basketball player of all time. Durant's not even top 10 for me. He's not there yet. He's simply not there yet. Giannis right now is above Durant to me. And I feel like that now that Durant has gotten his licks and he's finally gotten his comeuppance, that people are finally starting to see that. Matthew, do you think he's even top 10 yet? I, I surely hope not, because I can't do it. Man, on the top of my head... I, if I could think of a solid 10, probably not. And I do agree with your take right now. As of right now, Giannis is better than Kevin Durant, just solely based on the fact that uh, Giannis can actually carry a team. Um, but as of right now, I don't think I could see Katie on my top 10 if I could think of, of 10 better guys all time. Okay, let's let's take a quick shot then. Jordan, mm-hmm. LeBron. Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Duncan, Wilt. Bird, Wilt, Bill Russell, Bird. 
I think I already said Larry Bird. I feel like I'm missing one more guy. Shaq. Yeah. Um. Who else? I know there's a couple more. Don't get me wrong. Durant's a great player. He's a generational talent. He's he's just not that great all time to me. You have to. There has to be some way that Durant takes from his buddy Kyrie and just switch up his personality to where he's a leader. I don't know why Kawhi doesn't have that many championships because he's not a vocal leader. Paul George, not a vocal leader. These superstars, they have the skill on the court, but it takes more than buckets and stops to win a championship. Mm -hmm. But hey, maybe, maybe they can figure it out. Who knows? I wanted to talk a lot more about the Mavericks today, even more than we already do. Mm-hmm. It's the sheer, it's the sheer fact that, and I want to go. I want to start with the Utah Jazz first, because honestly, I feel sympathetic for them, because I feel like the, I I look at this Jazz team, and Matthew, you might disagree with me on this. I look at this current Jazz team, and I see the Mavericks from about two or so years ago, Luca's rookie to sophomore year. I see a team that has a guy and has some pretty good pieces around him. They just can't get it done. I see Utah with Donovan Mitchell. And you have pieces around him like Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal. And they just can't get it done. I feel like that's why I'm enjoying watching this series more than an average Mavericks fan would. Simply because I see an old Mavericks team in the Utah Jazz. And watching this Dallas team begin the series with little to no hope in some circles without Luka through the calf injury. Jalen Brunson becoming the budding star that he is now. Seeing Maxi Kleba turn into a completely different player. Dorian Finney-Smith stepping up. Spencer Dinwiddie embracing the six-man bench role, leading the second unit. Even Josh Green getting out there with some valuable minutes. Something I never thought I'd say. And I see a team that's taking the next step. Do I think they can make do I think they can win the finals? I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sold on my Dallas Mavericks to the finals, but I see a team with a lot of upside. Am I fair in my comparison and comparing this Utah Jazz team to a first or second year Luka Mavericks team? Uh I mean, I I can see where you're coming from, but this Jazz team has been proven time and time again that whenever their expectations are high, they can never meet them. They have been known to choke in the playoffs these past couple years. And that's where I kind of stray away from that whole Dallas Mavericks thing is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are the center focus of what's happening right now. They don't have a good connection, and that's what's really killing them right now. Right when that alley-oop happened uh, last game, or the game before last game, excuse me, everyone was talking about how, like, they're they're finally maybe getting it back together. You know, they're getting it back together, getting, like, that chemistry going. But they're just two completely different players. I don't know if it's off-the-court stuff, too, but it's them two that are making this Jazz team be unsuccessful due to their uh, – due to them not having any, any chemistry whatsoever. But I do see the comparison to the Luka Mavs team type thing. But at the same time, this Jazz team's just a mess every time. They have them high expectations. They never end up meeting them whatsoever. I want to kind of go back into the time machine, starting at Donovan Mitchell's rookie year back in 2017, 2018. Made it to the second round, 
lost to their hardened lead rockets. That next season, I want to say they lost. Yeah, they lost 4 1 to that same Rockets team in the first round. They went 7 with the Nuggets that next season. And then just this past year, they beat the Grizzlies in 5 and lost to the Clippers in 6. They get into the playoffs and they show promise. But I don't know what happens. I hope that it's not just Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell just being like oil and water and not being able to mix. Because if you look at that roster, it's a great roster. It's a great team of guys from top to bottom, and they have depth. Mm-hmm. They have solid pieces from guards to forwards to bigs. They have a defensive player of the year. They have one of the, well, kind of one of the best young stars in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell. Kind of hard to see that now. But they have a guy who's not a slouch. Donovan Mitchell, no matter how much he's getting destroyed by my Mavericks right now, he's still not a slouch. Mm-hmm. He's still a solid player. I feel as if the Mavericks were the perfect team to give the Utah Jazz a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. You have to find your Luka. You have to find your guy. I'm not saying you have to hit on a generational talent from the hip because that's that that doesn't happen often. We just got lucky in the draft because we could have had Trey Young. And I'm going to be honest, I still feel like we still won that trade, 100%. I'm glad that the Mavericks are dismantling the Utah Jazz the way they are because it helps Utah realize that, okay, we just lost to a team that has the same model that we need to adapt. Find your guy and build. We've built that now. We're missing one more piece. This is the closest we've been since 2011 to a championship. And this is without a shadow of a doubt. We are one piece away. We tried with we tried with Tingus Pingus, and that didn't work. Guess what? He's gone. Fine. Back to square one. We got Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a great three. He's a great number three. He can lead the second unit, or if we need to throw him in the starting lineup, we can. We have Jalen Brunson, who now is apparently the best player in the playoffs right now next to Jordan Poole. So we have the guys. We have the pieces. Utah needs to look at this Mavericks team, and this isn't me just trying to rub salt into the wound because the series ain't over yet. They have to look at teams like the Mavericks, like the Bucks, like even the Thunder with Shagulis Alexander. Find your guy and just build. If you have to take a couple years, it's so be it. The Sixers done it, and look where they are. They're en route to a championship unless they slip up against the Raptors, which we'll get to in a second. But... You have to look at your team and think we have to build somehow because this isn't going to work. A defensive player of the year and a top 20 player in the league isn't going to cut it. we got to go back to the drawing board. Thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say something close to the same thing. I just didn't know if you were necessarily going to agree. But after after this season, Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, one of them is going to be gone. So They once, have to. Once that happens, you're going to have to go in rebuild mode because you are not going to have a championship team unless you get someone crazy in the offseason. You're not going to have a championship team without one of the two. So I think they should go in complete rebuild mode and see where they go. I'd rather them lose Rudy Gobert instead of Donovan Mitchell, but only time will tell. It's it's a 50-50 for me. But um, And then talking about the Mavericks, I, I don't think we're one piece away. I think we're right there, and we can compete with any – team in the um western conference but uh yeah i i think rebuild mode is jazz the uh, the jazz's best option as of right now so before we go to break i want to go in and get this verbatim 
Mm-hmm. Do you think the Mavericks are making the finals this year? Let's say nice and clear to the microphone. Oh man, okay. <laughs> um, after this, we will be facing the Pelicans or the Suns. Suns without Devin Booker halfway through the season, or halfway through the uh, series, excuse me, or the Pelicans with. Who knows if it's just Zion's going to be back or what's going to happen. But I see us going to the finals against the Boston Celtics. Okay, you heard him verbatim. We're going to take our first break. Keep it tuned in. You are tuned in to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Live Network. from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Hyder, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Hyder are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the Loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under the hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. This is the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Back in the Tire Thompson and Services Studios. Before we went to break, you heard Matthew Verbatim say that the Mavericks are heading to the finals against the Boston Celtics. Clip it, what have you. You heard the man. So if it's wrong, we're going to grill him for it. But if he's right, I think we'll all probably pass out along with myself. Before we head into some NFL draft talk with the first round coming around later this week on Thursday, we're going to finish rounding out the NBA playoff slate starting in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers and the Raptors, probably the weirdest series so far. 
you look at this Raptors team, not the same bite as a usual Raptors team, especially with Kawhi Leonard being gone. Now, Joel Embiid with the finger fracture, well, excuse me, with a finger injury, said he's going to play through it. There's a lot of talk that the Raptors could run the table. Do the Raptors run the table, or are the Sixers still the overwhelming favorite? Uh, I don't think the Raptors run the table, although there is a possibility. The Raptors are one of those teams that, on paper, looks like they're going to get swept, but they have heart. They had that heart and that drive that no one expects them to really bring to the table until they actually face them. So why that's why the series has been semi-competitive. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the Raptors pulling this out. I, I see the uh, 76ers still being able to uh, get done with this uh, Raptors team pretty easily. Especially with Fred Van Fleet being out. Fred Van Fleet is still one of the most underrated guards in the NBA. Probably the most underrated players, let alone just guards. But I I don't know about this Raptors team. They're they're missing something. It's like when you cook some soup or spaghetti or whatever and you keep tasting it. You just don't know what it needs, but you know it needs something. But the Raptors are a perfect example of that. I feel like they need they need a superstar. Every team needs a superstar. Don't get me wrong, Pascal Siakam's a fantastic player. The master of the spin cycle himself, but he I don't he can't get it done. Simply by himself, he can't. Now, I would like them a lot more against maybe maybe a Milwaukee or maybe a Miami or an Atlanta team, but they might not even get that far to see those teams. And speaking of Atlanta and Miami, their series is also very confusing. You would expect Trey Young to somewhat take over. He's he's definitely taken over, but not in the sense that we thought he would. The Heat currently sitting at 3-1 on NBA TV tonight, taking on the Atlanta Hawks in Miami. One question and one question only. Is the series over tonight, or do the Atlanta Hawks maybe hang on to live another night? Yes, next question. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I think it's pretty much over. Even if the uh, Hawks somehow take a game, it'll be a close game, and the series is pretty much over, in my opinion. What do you think? Atlanta, they don't have the – I don't think they have – the jam, I guess you could say. Trey Young is too... It's not that he's a bad player. Don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic player. He he He's just too inconsistent. Especially in this generation, in this world of guards that live by the deep ball, die by the deep ball. Stephen Curry has perfected it. But he doesn't have to shoot threes to take over a game. As we saw in that first quarter of the Nuggets game, when he came off the bench, he started 0-4. But he had three assists. You don't have to necessarily be a three-point mastermind to take over a game. And Trey Young, no pun intended, he's still young. He still has to develop that, especially with a young team. Once again, no pun intended around him. You have pieces like John Collins, Clint Capella, fantastic guys around him. Huertas, D'Lo, great guys, great players on paper. They just don't have a leader that has the ability to take over games and put this team over, especially over Miami team, who arguably has the best roster pound for pound in the NBA. From one series to another, going transitioning back to the West, the Minnesota Grizzlies, excuse me, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. tied 2-2, Game 5 in Memphis. Minnesota has found a way to stick this thing out against the rookie of the year turned most improved player, John Morant. Before we get into this series, I want to get your opinions on this. How does a, how does a lottery pick go from rookie of the year to most improved player? I feel like Jordan Poole should have gotten the award, but maybe you disagree with me. I know you like to play devil's advocate when I have my takes. 
Yeah, no. Um, I think John Morant does deserve it because he, of course, he went from rookie of the year, but the numbers that he had drastically increased, and he went from a borderline MVP candidate at one point, and I think he deserved it, but I could have easily – I think Jordan Poole had his stride a little bit later during the season as John Morant was consistent more of all the year – or all the year, excuse me. So I think John Morant deserved it, but I could see uh, Jordan Poole, of course, getting it as well. A lot of people did think he was robbed. I don't know if he got second place. I didn't look at the voting, but – um yeah i could i could see i could see both ways now i like how you talk about his progression he went from his rookie year 17.8 points per game now averaging 27 total rebounds went from 3.9 his rookie year to 5.7 and even his field goal percentage 47% his first year 44 his second year and now Almost shooting 50% from the field, 4.49%, 4.93 if you want to get specific. We see this steady progression, and it kind of puts pressure on voters to decide who wins most improved player. When I hear most improved player, I think of a guy, let's go back to maybe even an Al Horford. Al Horford 2013 wasn't even a borderline all-star. Not even borderline. He simply wasn't an all-star. And now you go to that very next season. For the first month of the season, he was an MVP talks. His entire starting five, that entire Atlanta Hawks starting five was an all was was the Eastern Conference All-Stars to a certain degree. Going from Jordan Poole's case, going from 12 points a game to 18. What? Two rebounds a game to four? Three and a half? Mm-hmm. I can kind of see how people can make the argument for Ja. But at the same time, it's just it's weird because I know people on Twitter say, oh, he's a lottery pick. What does that have to do with it? It says a lot. If you're a lottery pick, that means you're a guy in your respective draft class that a lower-level team, that a non-contending team, looks at and says, hey, this is who we can start our franchise around. Jordan Poole wasn't that guy. Mm-hmm. Golden State didn't draft Jordan Poole in hopes that he would be the franchise savior. If Jordan Poole didn't pan out, they would have the next guy up in Golden State. If Memphis and John Morant didn't pan out, Memphis is rebuilding yet again. They're not in the playoffs. They're not looking at a second-round matchup with the, with the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. They're looking the same place LeBron and the Nets are looking. They're probably in Cancun right now mm-hmm. on vacation for the offseason. That doesn't happen with Jordan Poole. And I guess that's the biggest argument you can make. Jordan Poole isn't as much of a make-or-break guy. Now, if you look now, most definitely, if Jordan Poole doesn't keep up this playoff consistency, the Golden State could be in trouble, especially with Curry coming off the bench. We still don't know if he's 100% yet. Yet Yes, he has these fantastic performances, but if he has these slow starts, whether you like Curry or not, we're not used to these slow starts from him. We're used to him seeing... 100% 100% full motor bombs away for 48 minutes. We're not getting that right now. And so guys like Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins are kind of going to pick up that slack. And that's, that's I guess you could say that's an attest to the machine, the willow machine that Steve Kerr and that Warriors organization has built with that roster. But I think the fact that John Morant gave 
his most improved player award to Desmond Bain kind of shows to me that Ja was like, eh, I don't think I really deserve this as much as, say, another guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like if they if Ja Moran was on the same team as Jordan Poole, God forbid, this one, that he'd probably give the award to Jordan Poole. Maybe yeah. I'm missing something here. Maybe I'm reaching. I don't know. What do you think? I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you make a great point. I I, I agree with you 100% completely, yeah. I feel like if Jordan Poole was on his team, he'd probably give it to Jordan Poole. But that just shows the type of guy and how unselfish he is. I mean, doesn't think he deserves it. He gives it to his teammate. And, I mean, rightfully so. Without uh, without uh, John Morant playing, his team is still a finals contending team. So, I mean, I don't blame the guy for giving his most improved player to his teammate. But I think, yeah, I, I can see that for sure, for sure. Now, I know you brought up the votes earlier. Here's how the official voting broke down. John Morant in first, DeJounte Murray in second, Darius Garland from the Cavs in third, Jordan Poole's fourth. You mean to tell me that Jordan Poole only got 15 first place votes while DeJounte Murray got 20? This isn't just Spurs slander, because I don't like the Spurs, trust me. But I feel like Jordan Poole... I don't know. I like his progression a bit more in this playoff run that he's had. I know it doesn't account to the award voting, but I feel like that's just a hypothetical cherry on top of it all. See, I don't know whenever they do the voting. I'm not exactly sure whenever they, the media does the voting, but I think it's a little bit before the playoffs, before Jordan Poole had these amazing performances. And I don't know if you knew this, but the voting did get leaked. Uh, the MVP got leaked and everything else got leaked. Jokic, of course, won the MVP award and stuff like that. But uh, I just don't know when they do the voting. But if they were to do it a little bit past the playoff, I could see Jordan Poole getting more votes, in my opinion. But I, I, I get where you're coming from. I feel as if these awards should be given right before the finals. Mm-hmm. I'm not a part of the group that thinks the playoffs shouldn't matter for individual voting because I feel like they should because that's where the best players shine. That's where the guys who have the juice, who have the stuff, who have the jam truly shine. Jordan Poole shows that he's got the juice. And this playoffs, the playoffs rate, the run that he's had so far is further proof of that. No disrespect to John Morant, DeJounte, Mario Darius Garland. But I feel like the performances that they have in the playoffs just adds to their season of masterclass. If you look at a Jokic, if Jokic were to come back in this series... Don't even have to win it. Just get it to six or seven games. When everyone said you were down and out for games one and two, even with Curry being not at 100%, that should add to the mystique of this MVP. And the fact that it's all regular season, heck, maybe you have a, a playoff award as well, not just finals MVP. Have awards for the playoffs. Maybe not all the coach of the year and the rookie of the year and this and the third, but like maybe a most improved player in MVP a separate MVP other than the finals MVP, because I don't think Andre Iguodala would have won playoff MVP and finals MVP, but that's discussion for another day, but have a way to salute the guys who show up when it matters most. And I hate that that, I hate that, that isn't really necessarily counted for players such as Jordan Poole, but hey, it, it just is what it is when it all boils down to. Maybe they make a change, maybe they don't. The NBA is probably the most adaptive league 
in sports right now. Mm-hmm. Staying in the Western Conference, the final the final game for tonight, the nightcap, 9 p.m., the Phoenix Suns hosting Game 5 against the New Orleans Pelicans, the series to watch if you, like myself and Matthew here, are a Dallas Maverick fan. I, I don't know where to go with this because I see a Phoenix team without Devin Booker and I'm even more adamant to give the Pelicans the edge simply because of the chemistry that this team has built in such a short amount of time. Grand Theft Alvarado, Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, Jackson Hayes, Jonas Valanciunas, that team has meshed and gelled perfectly, even with all the Zion stuff. This is what we wanted. The chemistry that we see on the floor with this Pelicans team is what we want from the Nets, and it's the opposite of what we get from the Nets. Do I think that they can beat this Phoenix team? Most definitely. But I feel like whoever wins game five is going to win the series. Is that too much of a stretch to make this early on? No, not at all. I mean, Chris Paul came off of a terrible game last game, and uh, he's quite literally the only leader on that team, in my opinion, the only person who could truly step up and help this team win these type of games. So if he's, if they find a way to shut him down again, I could easily see the uh, Pelicans winning. Um, of course, you've got Grant Theft Alvarado getting in everyone's head. But this is all a mind game right now. Um, I just I, I think the Pelicans have a legitimate chance to win this series. And I don't think I would have said that at the very beginning of this series. But the way they've been playing has been phenomenal. And uh, this is the game I'm most excited to watch tonight for sure. Now, let's say the Pelicans win this series. Is the headline on the Suns' side knowing that they need Devin Booker, or that Kev, that Chris Paul may not be the guy? Or does this say more about the Pelicans and how that how well that young roster has developed and become in really a short amount of time? Well, yeah, you know, you know, you know as the media, your job is to uh, criticize people. So, of course, this is going to be all on the Suns. This is going to have – they're not going to give um, any credit towards Pel- the Pelicans whatsoever, but – um, this is going to be all centered around Chris Paul and all centered around Devin Booker. And um, if they happen to lose this series, that's all the media is going to focus about. Regardless, and they're going to forget what the Pelicans were able to accomplish and more of what Phoenix did wrong. Let's stick with New Orleans. What's the Zion headline? Do they keep going without him, or do you insert him into the lineup as quickly as possible? Because I feel like this was kind of the same situation Dallas was in for a minute. There were talks of just sitting Luka and letting Jalen Brunson control the offense. Even now, I watch this Mavericks team, I still want the offense to run through Jalen Brunson until Luka's 100%. If you're the Pelicans, you have a Zion, you have a generational talent, a guy who, when he plays, was a top 10 guy. Do you go ahead and throw him in the fire now and see what he does, or do you just continue to let him sit and kind of see how things play out? Well, uh, off to your first point, Luke already is 100%. We saw that last night. But um, if, I'm, if I'm the Pelicans coach, I know they don't want him to play, and he's wanted to play. Uh, they had some uh, discrepancy uh, up in the front office. But uh, I would throw him in right when, right when we know he's ready. I'd throw him in immediately because the Zion's one of them players, regardless of him not playing and him not having that team chemistry that He's, he's not been able to develop all season. He's that player that you throw in. He's going to make an immediate impact. So if I was the Pelicans, no hesitation. I'd throw him in when he's ready. I mean, 
he he'd make the immediate impact and completely change uh the way the Pelicans uh would be playing for sure. Let's go on and get this out of the way. I I, I know Zion can play. You mean to tell me you're considering warm-ups and hit all these 360 dunks and windmills and have these mini dunk contests and layup lines, but you can't give your team at least 15 minutes of playing time? You're ready to play. It's it's some either Zion doesn't want to play or the Pelicans don't want to play him. It's one of those two things. He's good to go. Now, is he 100%? That's a whole different story. We don't know that. But can he play? I am 99.982% sure that Zion Williamson is ready to play basketball. What? We're ready to take another break. Um, as we close out this NBA segment, Matthew, we're going to let you have your closing thoughts as we come back from the break, and then we're going to break down some NBA draft news. We'll be back on the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under the hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network probably wondering, where is everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Give it up for Naughty by Back on the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Thank you to wherever you may be listening, whether you're live on the mix of their app, whether in your car, eating lunch with your dog, your fish, whatever you're doing. If you can hear my voice right now, thank you. Thank you for taking time 
out of your day whether you're listening after the initial broadcast wherever you find your podcast and on all google and alexa controlled devices be sure to follow the antler sports network across their various social media platforms on twitter at antler underscore sn on facebook and youtube by searching antler sports network and on instagram at antler sports net matthew's back on we're going to get into some nba nfl draft talk excuse me but before that we have some headlines presented by thompson tire and services the injury bug hitting the NBA with Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell getting an MRI after his injury with four minutes left to go in that previous game against the Mavericks. Don't really have too much on it yet. Could be good, could be bad. Just looking to see what would happen there. Zach Levine entering health and safety protocols as the Bulls face elimination, looking unlikely to play in game five against the Milwaukee Bucks. And Jay Wright. Former Villanova Wildcat head coach leaving the door opened to the jump to the NBA. Maybe could be going to the Lakers. And speaking of NBA head coaches, not too long ago, probably the funniest headline I've seen in a young week. LeVar Ball apparently has been connected to the Charlotte Hornets head coaching position. Matthew, I know we just want to talk NFL, but I got to get your take on this real quick. Is LeVar Ball going to be an NBA head coach and probably win the award for the greatest dad in American history? I I didn't even know this was a headline, so right when you said that, that put a smile on my face. Um, uh, I can, I don't I, I couldn't see him becoming a head coach, but like if if he's being serious, I could see him becoming like an assistant or uh, something of that nature, like. But regardless, if you were to be able to make it on an NBA coaching staff, I think I think that'd be great. I think that'd be absolutely great. I mean, even when you think he's done and he's out of the headlines, he will make his way back into headlines. It is absolutely crazy. He's a marketing genius, and I would absolutely love to see him be connected with the uh, Hornets. And you know he'd immediately try to bring Lonzo and all of them uh, over there as well, but that would be something to see. I'd love to see that. I think the world would love to see that. Uh, just out of pure entertainment and just interest to see what he'd be able to bring to the table. I'd love that. It's not even the fact that I think he'd be a head coach. I just love LeVar Ball as a guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care anyone says, oh, he's 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 so charismatic. He's trying to ruin it for his kids. If you think about it, his kids would not be in a close to the position that they've been in without the stupidity and the pure entertainment that LeVar Ball gave us. There was a stretch what seems like forever ago where there was an entire month where LeVar Ball was the biggest headline in sports. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. I hope he's somewhat close to an NBA team. Even if he's the head trainer, just give him a microphone, give him an NBA position, whether it be head trainer, head coach, assistant, whatever. Let him be somewhere in an NBA front office, and I'll be more than happy. Um, ironically, ironically, I think... I would love to see LeVar Ball as a head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. If the Lakers picked up LeVar Ball, it would be absolutely amazing. It'd be great. Must-see television. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was just going to mention uh, Amazing Dad, by the way. Uh, out, of all the, like, the, uh, out of all the jokes that everyone makes about him, stuff like that, like I've watched a little bit of Ball in the family, and all that. he is an absolutely amazing dad. And the stuff he does for his kids and the way he's been able to uh, – get his kids to where they're at now. He's an amazing father, regardless of what people say. Now, I love I love the fact that LeVar Ball is still somehow in the forefront, even though he didn't have that much of an NFL career. There are 10 guys that are hoping 
to have a successful, a more successful NFL career than one LeVar Ball. And that starts this Thursday with the 2022 NFL Draft. Matthew, you said you have a mock draft ready. I got the draft order up and ready to go. Let's start with the top 10. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Man, you're making me feel like Roger Goodell here. Uh, I, uh, Trayvon Walker, uh, defensive end. Uh, I think he has a freakish athletic ability, and he has the potential to provide more pass rushing and production in, uh, with the da- Jaguars. Uh, he uh, had a big career in uh, Georgia, and I think he will fill a need that is needed. Well, to be fair, Jaguars will take anything by now, but I think – I think he's probably the best uh, or one of the best defensive players in the draft and the number one pick in my opinion. And you could, you could uh, swap him with uh, Hutchinson as well, but I I think they're going to pick Trayvon Walker. Either way, whether they pick Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker, that is a Jacksonville Jaguars team to where their biggest upside, that being their defense gets better. Mm -hmm. If you look at Jacksonville, even though they've been pretty much bad since they've Came into the NFL, even though their first couple of years weren't that bad, they've always had a, a, an average to borderline okay defense. And whether you pick Aiden Hutchinson or Walker, that's just a defense that's going to be upgraded. But the second pick of the 2022 NFL draft, the Detroit Lions select Hutchinson. I mean, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, the Lions are going to take whichever defensive end that the Jaguars don't take. And I think Hutchinson is the safest in this draft and he's also an incredible athlete as well i mean you can't go wrong with either or but i just think they'll take hutchinson uh second second pick personally i think aiden hutchinson is the only guaranteed safe pick in this draft and that isn't to necessarily knock the talent in this draft class although it is a much weaker draft class i feel like if you take aiden hutchinson you're going to get something. You're going to get something. You're going to get a guy that's well-coached, coached by a coach that has NFL experience, Super Bowl experience. So, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson's very solid pick, whether that be for the Lions or the Jaguars. With the third pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select. Now, this would be a little bit of a hot take. I'm going with Ekwonu, if I pronounce his name right. Uh, probably the best uh, offensive tackle in the draft, or offensive lineman, and uh, – he, he's also another safe pick, a uh, great offensive lineman. And I think, like like the Jaguars, the Texans kind of need anything at this point. And I feel like a safe pick would be uh, Ikuonu for sure. Now, Iku Ikuonu, do you think that he will be able to be drafted by the Texans? Because the Texans have slowly emerged into being connections with a possible D-ball Samuel trade. Do they try to keep the third pick and give Debo an offensive line to kind of work with, especially with Davis Mills, who isn't a bad quarterback by really any means? Do they keep that pick and draft Ikonu and still get Debo Samuel? Or do you think they trade the pick and try to get Debo and then go from there? I mean, if they have an opportunity to get Debo, uh, I'd get Debo. But poor Debo Samuel, he's going to have to go to the Texans. But I... Uh... If you, I mean, you, you wouldn't think you'd have to downgrade from the 49ers, but man, oh man, I, I would I would trade for Debo if he, uh, they have the opportunity to, but if they don't, then Ekwon is uh, the guy who's there. All right, with the fourth pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select. 
Yeah, I know I'm going to butcher this name up. Uh, help me out if you can. Theo Bo. Theo. Go ahead. I need to hear this. Theo Bo Doe. That's, that's the closest I'm going to get. <laughs> you, you, you and I both know who we're talking about. He had a really good visit with the Jets a couple weeks ago. Um, it was reported that he hit off with uh, the head coach, uh, Robert Saleh. And, um, yeah, I mean, the simple fact that he had a great visit and uh, reportedly everything went well, I think he's going to be the pick that the Jets are going to pick. And um, funny enough, the Jets have two picks – or no, it's the Giants, excuse me. But the Jets, I think – I mean, they they need everything they can, too, so they can't go wrong with him as well. I don't know too much about him, but I knew he had a good visit. So, I mean, kind of the obvious pick there, in my opinion. Now, if I look at the Jets, I honestly would have thought that, at, knowing the fact that they have a pick later on in the at the, at the round at pick 10, they will try to go for maybe a Drake London or Garrett Wilson, some kind of a receiver. Every team needs a receiver, especially now with the receiver bubble pretty much bursting out of nowhere. Receivers are making 17 to $30 million a year now. That's something that could have been unheard of even two years ago. I personally have the Jets picking Garrett Wilson, but who knows? It is the Jets at the end of the day. They've done stuff that has been nothing short of surprising. It's kind of been their organizational stigma now. But hey, you never know. That's why I guess they're in the draft's hot seat and not us. Now the biggest, With the fifth pick. Well, the biggest question is, do you know how to pronounce his last name? Listen, listen. I'm not even going to try it. I've, I've gotten to the point where if I don't have to put myself on the spot, then guess what? I'm not. Speaking of on the spot, the fifth pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Football Giants select. Uh, they're going to select Evan Neal, offensive tackle. Um, he's a versatile offensive lineman, and he's also one of the best in the draft. As the Giants have another pick, Evan Neal would be a safe uh, pick right here to bring insurance for whatever quarterback they end up having in the future. I mean, whether that be uh, Daniel Dimes or whoever else they uh, decide to choose, I think an off- the offensive lineman uh, would be the safe pick here. Now, I find it interesting that Sauce Gardner has not been taken off of the board yet. There's something to keep in mind. With the sixth pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Charles Cross, offensive lineman, uh, arguably the best pass blocker in this draft. It's a, it's another offensive lineman you can't go wrong with. Uh, you can't refuse to pick him up, especially since uh, Ben McAdoo, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, not too long ago, had basically confirmed Sam Darnold's going to be their future quarterback. So I, I see the Panthers giving him some insurance and going after uh, Charles Cross if he is there uh, as another offensive lineman. Now, I feel like McAdoo, as McAdoo does best, dug in this team in a deeper hole than it needed to be. Becker Mayfield, that that entire situation, as a Browns, I don't even want to get too much into it. I'm getting depressed just thinking about it. But I, you can't say that a certain guy, no matter how good they are, is your starting quarterback, especially if your franchise is not in a good standing position. The Carolina Panthers need as much as they can get. Your number two to number three receiver just said that they didn't want a certain quarterback there. You have to get something. But I guess if you want to get a quarterback or at least try to trade for one, Jimmy G could be available. Got to have somebody to protect for him. Mm -hmm. Going on to our next pick. Once again, 
With the seventh pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Football Giants select. This is where Gardner is going to go. Um, this is a given uh, since they, uh, in if my mock draft goes right, uh, pick Evan Neal. Uh, the, the Giants seem like they're going to trade their starting quarterback, James Bradbury, so Gardner makes a lot of sense here as he is coming in as the best cornerback in this draft. So I think that Gardner goes to the Giants either way, whether it be the their uh, first pick that they have or their second. Now, the obvious answer is off the board. Now we kind of get to start to pick at scraps here. With the eighth pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select. Uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. If he falls this far, Wilson's the best wide out in this class. And you know, as well as I do, the Falcons are in need of a wide receiver. Um, don't really got too much targets on the offense other than, uh, well, I don't know. We don't know about Calvin Ridley no more, but uh, uh, Kyle Pitts and then uh, hopefully Garrett Wilson, if they're able to get him. Now, we know that the Falcons, their biggest need is that wide receiver. Could you possibly see them going away from your mock draft and maybe picking a quarterback? Do they think that Marcus Mariota is really the guy? Um. Yeah, anything can happen in the NFL draft, of course. There's going to be a couple draft uh, picks that we aren't going to expect, and I could see them drafting a quarterback, but the fact that they got Mariota, who still, in my opinion, has potential in this league, it's just he's got to find the right offense to unlock that potential with. I mean, I feel like, of course, they can go for a quarterback, but I feel like their biggest need for sure is a wide receiver. I mean, that's what they need right now. So I think they're going to – uh, go with uh, Wilson, in my opinion, if he falls that far down. But you never know. We'll have to see. With the ninth pick, a team that I honestly didn't expect to be in the first round, if you were to ask me at the beginning of this last season, with the ninth pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks, with their pick via the Denver Broncos, select. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, um, defensive end. Uh, he was a beast at Florida State. Pete Carroll previously discussed that finding edge-rushing help uh, would be essential for the team this offseason, and they haven't really been able to establish that. So I feel like they're going to draft Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end in the draft. And uh, since he's the best edge rusher there, I think he will uh, get picked by the Seahawks if he doesn't get picked beforehand, unless someone unexpected drops to them, which I don't see happening. Now, do the Seahawks continue to maybe initiate a rebuild? We know Pete Carroll is the older head coach, more defensive-centric, doesn't really like to rebuild. But does Pete Carroll embrace the rebuild and maybe even trade for more picks, maybe trading a DK Metcalf for a nice haul? Or do they just stay with their ninth pick? Uh, if they can get the right um, deal, I think they could trade. But I think, I think this defensive end, I think, can really help with their rebuild. But Pete Carroll is that type of coach where even if they're in a rebuild, they still have a chance to go to the playoffs. He's just that good of a coach. But I I think they keep this pick. All right, to round out the top 10 with the 10th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Once again, the New York Jets select. Uh, Jameson Williams, if I'm pronouncing the first name right. The only reason is because no one knows how high he will go. They're saying he could go higher, but because of his ACL injury, excuse me, 
I think there's a possibility that he can fall this far in the draft. Um, Williams is similar to the receivers. Uh, the Jets targeted this offseason in trades, uh, like Tyree Kill and Calvin Ridley, Ridley, excuse me. And I think I think there'll be a great scheme uh, for Matt Lafleur or Mike Lafleur's offense, excuse me. Now, with an offensive line that's become kind of spotty, and even Mickey Becton, who might not return to rookie season form, he was the shining star of that Jets offense. And Zach Wilson, who we still don't know what to expect from him at the quarterback position. Glad to see the Jets aren't just stagnant with being mediocre, that they at least tried to go for some big names. And this draft could be a big opportunity, I think, for the Jets to maybe start going in a more positive direction, at least try to take a step forward. I know they tried to go with Zach Wilson, but we still don't know yet. He still has to ask time to develop. And that's what happens when you're a horrible team. You're not going to be able to develop quarterbacks as quickly as people want. I know nowadays everyone wants a top five quarterback and immediately be a starter and be a contender and at least make it to the wild card round roll. The draft isn't, that isn't going to happen. You don't find talent like that too often. And to be honest, that draft doesn't really have that guy. There's not a, I don't think there's too many players on this draft board right now that just poke out as a generational talent. Matthew, maybe I'm missing somebody. Do you think there's just an outlying generational talent in this draft class? Or is it kind of a, not really mediocre, but just a, kind of lackluster well uh when it comes to draft people normally label generational talent as star-studded quarterbacks or wide receivers and people tend to disregard the offensive linemen and defensive ends so i'm sure out of all the offensive linemen and defensive ends that are going to be drafted i'm sure there's going to be a couple stars within that draft i just don't think people are going to call them generational talents just based on the fact that they're not a star quarterback or star wide receiver or running back per se All right, we're going to take our final break of today's show. Then we're going to get into a debate that has kind of torn the Twitter world almost in half. We'll be back with that and more. You're tuned in to the Antler Report on the Antler Sports. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. A car is one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. It's how you get to work, how you take the kids to school, and how you get to some of life's biggest moments. Why not treat it as such? Whenever your car needs some tender love and care, visit Thompson Tire and Services in Tyler on 321 South Bonner Avenue, just five minutes south from Christus Trinity Mother Francis Rose Stadium. Joe Thompson and his team of professionals bring decades of under the hood experience to ensure that your car runs to the best of its ability. Any make, any model, any year, Thompson Tire and Services is the only place to get the best service for your car in East Texas. Open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday and closed on weekends. To make winning decisions, you need a championship team in your corner. Monument Realty, led by Anthony Heider, is that championship team. With countless houses sold in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you're sure to score the right abode for you and your family. If finding the perfect home is in your future's game plan, then Monument Realty and Anthony Heider are your perfect play call to get the job done. Monument Realty in Frisco, Texas, the official realtor company of the Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, and the Antler Sports Network. Hello, my name is Tarnisha. My name's Anthony. And we own Drip Like Jesus. Drip stands for devote, reach, influence people, just like Jesus did. Each one of our apparel has a scripture on the back that goes with the design. It's our cool way of spreading the gospel and looking fly. We are located in Stonebriar Mall in Frisco and also online at www.driplikejesus.com. So feel free to go online and shop or come check us out in Frisco. And thank you for helping us spread the gospel. 
spring, where's everyone in your area going for screen printing and promotional needs? It's simple. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. They can print on anything. We're talking shirts, hoodies, cups, pens, and pretty much anything that you can put a logo on. ABS T-Shirt Graphics is here to fulfill your company, organization, and fundraising needs. For a free quote, call 903-939-0990. ABS T-Shirt Graphics, located one half of a mile outside of the loop on 155 South. Don't forget to like them on Facebook. ABS T-Shirt Graphics. Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it! This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir! On the Antler Sports Network. Final second before we close out the show here on the Antler Report. There's been a debate going on in the basketball world that has split coaches, players, members of the media in a way that I never thought I'd see. The big debate going on now is between going to an AAU or grassroots, whatever you want to call it, tournament during what's now called the NCAA live period, where NCAA scouts and coaches are most active in looking and scouting and recruiting players, or the athletes going to their respective high school proms. Before I get into my side of the story, Matthew, you had a lot of sniggling and giggling during the break, so go ahead. Let's hear your side of the story first. I don't even know how to get out anymore, but, uh, I mean, this this is going to show uh, what the athlete probably cares more about and how dedicated he is to the sport. But if it was me, okay, I mean, if the girl I'm taking to prom is bad, let's say she she's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> With all due respect, with all due respect, with my boys on that AAU team, with all due respect to the boys, all the boys, my teammates, my coaches, I'm sorry, man. I, I got to apologize. I mean, <laughs> senior prom's the move. However, however, it, <laughs> however, if she ain't, if she ain't that, that, that bad, I mean, you got you got to go get your, your name out there. You got to go uh, get your name out there to try to get yourself a scholarship. But I can see I can see both sides of the coin, in my opinion. But that's just me. I want to hear your opinion. As someone that has both played AAU ball and also went to my senior prom, this is just going from personal experience. I'm going to prom. I'm going to be honest with you because I hear, I hear this debate. I hear this side of the story all the time. College has formal dances and stuff like that all the time. It's not, it's, it's about the memories you make. There are multiple tournaments out there during the life period. I know, Oh, some coaches might not show up. You have to understand the time that you put in the grind that you've been on the journey that you've taken to find success in the AAU dogfight landscape that it is. If you're good enough and you got the stuff, you're going to have eyes on you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go live your life. At the end of the day, people are forgetting. These are still 16, 17, 18-year-old children. These are not adults yet. Okay? Let them live. Let them have fun. Let them experience things. You're only a high school senior one time unless you fail or you're ineligible or what have you. Nowadays, you have kids staying in school, high school, being senior for seven years just to play basketball. That's a story for another day. But for a normal run-of-the-mill guy, go to prom. Go have fun. 
go on the limo, go to the dances, be prom king, prom queen, whatever you want to be, have that experience because you will never have that again. There's not going to be a shortage of AAU tournaments or big time floors anytime soon. That's a guarantee. Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, they're making too much money with these shoe sweatshop teams now. You're going to find some exposure if that is what you are truly deserving of. Go to prom. Have fun. Most importantly, be a kid. That's one thing I think people are forgetting. They're kids. Let them be kids. They want to go to prom, let them go to prom. Go ahead. Make some memories. But I think, Matthew, to your credit, to your credit, yes, I feel like who you're going with is also a big factor. If you're going to prom by yourself, I'm going to have to keep it a stack with you. You might have to go to that tournament and try to catch a bag. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you're going to go alone, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't have the same appeal. I'm looking at it from maybe like a trade perspective. You go to prom by yourself, you might show up by yourself and leave by yourself. You don't know, you might not make a new friend or find a girlfriend or anything. But you go in a you tournament during the live period, you go to Duncanville, get on some of the big floors, play some big time teams and have a good string of games during a weekend. And you might leave with an opportunity that can set you up for life. And this is where I kind of understand. I 100% understand the point of the coaches that are saying, go to these tournaments, take advantage. Yeah, there's other dances and stuff. But at the same time, you have to look at both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. If the prom is not worth it, if you're just going by yourself in a limo full of couples and you're just constantly third wheeling for three hours on a Saturday, take your butt up that highway and try to get a bag. But if you already have someone to go with, that's already half the experience right there. You get to have a little intimate moment where you dance with your girl on the dance floor. The DJ's calling you out. You get the prom king crown. You have that moment. You have that memory. You have that excitement. But if you're not sure that you can even get that, then go ahead and go to the Liberia AU tournament. Any closing thoughts before we start? Before we end off the show? I feel yeah. like that was a pretty, pretty good note. Yeah, no, uh, I was just going to say also, like, might as well, like, go to your prom and prove to everyone and yourself that even though you're still having fun, that you're going to be able to put that hard work in if you're willing to put the, or if you work hard enough that you'll still be able to get that scholarship or still be able to get that offer. Like, show everyone that you can still do what you want to do, but you've worked hard enough to prove yourself and prove to other colleges that you're still worth that scholarship offer. Especially if you're a senior, with the recruiting landscape now, mm-hmm. your senior year, it's almost too little too late. Guys are getting offers their sophomore, junior year. They're getting most of their looks sophomore, junior year. There's only a handful of guys that really have the stuff to be able to get a buku of offers from the live here their senior year. And that's just from experience. Seeing countless guys come and go, especially in the East Texas area, that got most of, a majority of their offers and majority of their looks sophomore, senior year. I mean, sophomore, junior year. And if you have that opportunity to go to prom, and you know you can either, I guess you say, make up for it by another tournament or know that you can take some time to enjoy yourself and have some fun, by all means, go ahead. Enjoy yourself. Go have a fun time. But the biggest thing to take away from all of this, whether you go to prom or a tournament, that is time that you will never truly get back. In this past hour, And 22 minutes is something you will never get back. And if you decided to spend that time with us, thank you. Thank you for taking your time to tune in to the Antler Report. For myself, for Matthew V, the ABS T-Shirt Graphics Hotline, this has been another episode of the Antler Report on the Antler Sports Network. Goodbye. and we Live from the Thompson Tire and Services Studio. Let's get it!
This is the Antler Report. Let's get it! Yes, sir. On the Antler Sports Network.